Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode 31. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who are running a business full-time from their RV while traveling America. This podcast is a mixture of travel, entrepreneurship, and life on the road. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Jeremy and Stephanie from the RV Family Travel Atlas. Jeremy and Stephanie wrote the book on RV vacations, quite literally. Earlier this year, they published The Idiot's Guide to RV Vacations and have built up their blog and podcast network as a reputable source of information in the RV industry. Jeremy and Stephanie have a background in education as teachers, so when they started RVing a few years back with their kids, they naturally shared what they learned along the way, great places to camp, uh, traveling with kids, and a multitude of of other lessons and over time they found a huge need in the RV industry which was the need for more quality information to be provided by large companies in the space and what I mean by that is we live in a content driven economy and companies that are producing the most relevant engaging content uh, are going to be rewarded and Jeremy and Stephanie saw the outdated communication that was happening for a lot of, lot of the RV companies in our space and decided to do something about it uh, so what I mean by that is for example we've done a lot of work with Winnebago Life this year after we picked up our new RV uh, in 2015. And basically, Winnebago created a brand, their marketing brand called WinnebagoLife.com. So this isn't, this is while this is operated by Winnebago, it's actually they're an extension of who they are. And the whole purpose of Winnebago Life is to provide helpful content to RVers. This could be whether you're thinking about getting an RV or you've already bought one, all these information that you would possibly need as an RVer, they're putting it out there. So a lot of companies in the RV industry, because perhaps it's a little bit behind, you know, versus other industries, they haven't been doing that extremely well. So Jeremy and Stephanie saw this need and decided to do something about it. And over the past several years, their blog and their podcast at RV Family Travel Atlas, they've been able to partner up and provide content for some of the largest companies in this industry, such as Jellystone RV Resorts, Jayco, Progressive Insurance, Go RVing, and many others. And on the show, we dive into how as casual RVers, they were able to identify this need and build up enough of a business around it so that Stephanie could leave her job as an educator and work on their business full time. Today's episode is sponsored by the In-Town Campground in Nevada City, California. The In-Town Campground was started by a couple named Aaron and Dan. Aaron and Dan originally got the inspiration for the In-Town Campground while traveling across New Zealand with their kids. Something Alyssa and I desperately want to do, travel across New Zealand. Not necessarily with our kids, because uh, we don't have any, but uh, maybe when we do have kids. <laughs> New Zealand has a great system of holiday parks, and they wanted to bring that same feel of community and family-oriented camping to the U.S., uh, so in addition to tent and glamping and RV spots, Aaron and Dan also have a building called The Commons, which has a communal kitchen, living room, and a dining area, which is really, really cool. Because speaking from somebody that has been at RV parks the past few years, one of my favorite parts is just meeting people. And a lot of RV parks and campgrounds don't have a centralized place to meet people. And so I have to be the creeper and weirdo that walks up into people's campsites and just starts talking. Well, not everyone feels that comfortable. So it's really amazing that the in-town campground has provided a campground that facilitates community building. And plus their glamping tents are actually really large canvas tents with electricity, linens, and beds, which are insanely cool. Even if you're not going to be in Nevada City, California to check out the in-town campground, just go to intowncampground.com to check out these incredible glamping tents because they're definitely Pinterest worthy and really, really cool. <laughs> there was a couple reasons why I decided to partner up with Aaron and Dan at the in-town campground. One, they're really pushing the envelope as campground owners who have an incredible online presence, understand technology, and want to improve the overall camping experience. And while this doesn't necessarily 
necessarily have anything to do with it being a quality campground. It's just really amazing to be to see people who are business owners in this industry who are really pushing the envelope. They're on Instagram, they're on all these different social media networks. They understand the value of everything as far as online reservations. And there's so many things that they're doing that are I know are going to be an example for other RV companies in this space. So I, that's really inspiring and makes me want to share their story. And two, they have a beautiful 15 acre campground that you should absolutely stop and stay at if you'll be traveling through Nevada City in California. Thank you, Aaron and Dan, for being a part of this podcast. And go say hey to them over at In Town Campground on Instagram. And let's get into today's show with Jeremy and Stephanie. All right, we're live. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Jeremy and Stephanie of the RV Family Travel Atlas blog and podcast network. They are the authors of The Idiot's Guide to RV Vacations, host several popular podcasts on iTunes, such as the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast, Girl Camper, and Campground of the Week. And they currently spend several months out of the year traveling around with their three boys in their RV, going on adventures while also managing content and having an active voice in the RV industry. Thank you guys for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much, We're big, for big fans us. of your work. We've really enjoyed following your journey, too. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for being on the show. So I just want to give listeners an idea of the the work that you guys do in the industry and, you know, how it came to be and how you guys, you know, basic, basically what we were just talking about before we press record. Okay. So, right. So what do we do? Well, we started out just as regular recreational RV travelers, like, you know, so many people that listen to your show probably did. Um, About, let me see, seven or eight years ago, we bought our very first RV. It was a pop-up camper. We were both full-time teachers and we had just had our twin boys, we they were 11 months old when we bought our first camper, and we assumed our life was over, but we were still fighting the battle against sort of becoming these like, you know, we just dull. could not, we just could not <laughs> sit at home with the kids. Yeah. So, so we bought a camper. <laughs> so we bought a pop-up camper, and then we started a little tiny blog that I guess maybe 10 people were reading for a while. Yeah. Including aunts and uncles, both English teachers and have humanities backgrounds. We both did a lot of writing in other forums, I guess, like things like book reviews. And so it just seemed very natural to start doing a blog and recording our travel experiences. So it's gone from that to this point now where, you know, we have a book out with Penguin Random House, produce three podcasts and do a lot of writing in the RV industry. And this is for the full circle. This is now my full time job. I'm not an educator anymore. I retired from that profession a little over a year ago. And Jeremy is a three quarter time educator. Yeah, I've taken a, I've, I've taken a little step away from my teaching, too. But uh, yeah, about a year ago, we decided that it was growing so quickly and we were turning away work and we kind of had this moment like, oh, my God, we've worked so hard to get this work and now we can't do all of it. So the decision was like somebody's got to quit their job to grow this thing or else we should just shut it down. And uh, Stephanie's very organized and efficient and managerial. So, uh, you know, we made the decision that she would quit her teaching job and run this as her full time business. And I do the tech. <laughs> and she does the tech. So I teach that I come home at night and join her. I love it. And. I, you know, so many people probably have a different take on blogging and people that don't know much about it, they are kind of confused and iffy on um, people having full-time jobs as bloggers. Because even when we were traveling around doing our documentary, we had trouble explaining to people what we did. We said we're bloggers and they're like, how do you make money? We're like, well, we're just starting, but we may do something like this. And something I, I love talking about and sharing with people on this podcast is just like simply finding a need and solving it. And it's been so cool to see how different people have done that. So talk to me about the main 
need in the RV industry as far as content creation goes and how you guys have stepped into a unique role to solve that? So when we started, there was a lot of content for retired RVers um, and produced by retired RVers. And we also did find there was good content for full-time RVers. Um, there didn't seem to be a lot of content for people that were sort of working nine to five and then using their RVs for weekends and week-long trips. And that also happens to be the majority of people who own RVs. So we did sort of want to step in and fulfill that need, kind of like you know Gandhi says, you know, if you see a problem in the world, then you need to solve it. So that's what we did. And we started creating content that was kind of tuned into families and people that were working and struggling to get out in their RVs. And um, we created content for them. We really imagined ourselves as the audience at first. Um, you know, we thought we bought an RV with so little education. We had absolutely no idea what we were doing. And we made a huge amount of mistakes in the process between picking the wrong RV for our family, between having the wrong tow vehicle. I mean, just so many, you know, we did everything wrong. And in doing everything wrong, we learned a lot because we're educators by nature. And so what do you do? You turn every mistake into a learning <laughs> opportunity. And, you know, and, and we started communicating all of that through our content. And that's when we started building an audience. I think people felt like, oh, yeah, there's nobody out there that's telling me how to shop for an RV, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we bought a pop-up camper that was too expensive. And then we decided we didn't want it a year later. We went to sell it and it had depreciated immensely. And we took a hit on that, you know, and that was something like that we would write about or talk about on the podcast. And if you want to develop a loyal following of people and you can help them not make a $5,000 mistake, that's a pretty good start, you know? So we've always looked at our content as being helpful to people and solving problems for them and not just be about like, oh, look at our awesome family vacation. You know, we do do that too, but we also try and put in a lot, a lot of useful information. Yeah, so I guess a, a long time ago, I don't remember when it was in this process, um, I heard somebody say, you know, that the best thing to do with your life is to be useful and not fabulous. And that really rang true with me. I thought that's exactly what I want to do. I have no interest in people following on me on Instagram because they're jealous of me and they they think I'm fabulous and they look at my life and think I could never have a life like that. I want people to follow me on Instagram because they're like, okay, what are they going to do and what are they going to learn from it? You what know, restaurant <laughs> did they pick in Charleston? Okay, yeah, yeah I'm going to go get some ribs. Be there. useful, you know. <laughs> and also, there's there's also a certain extent, you know, like with what you guys are saying, it just showing imperfections. And and, uh, and who you are because they're like, hey, if this person can go out there and travel full time and they're kind of a screw up, you know, not talking about you guys, but maybe like <laughs> someone like me, you know, like, hey, this guy is a, like, he spells lots of words wrong. He doesn't always use proper English. Uh, I'm from Southeast Texas. And so there's all these different things, you know, like they're just looking at this saying like, okay, if this guy can do it, then I can too. Instead of saying like, oh, I'm so, I'm doing this because I'm so smart. So a lot of people that are hitting the road uh, are starting a blog of sorts. Like most every RVer that we come across has some form of travel blog. So talk to me about some of the expectations that people can have if they want to start a blog and whether or not they should be focusing on making it earning an income? Or do you th guys think there are other benefits like you guys have of having a blog that uh, are maybe not monetary, but still have a lot of value? 
I might call it a necessary evil. Like you, you need to create your own platforms if you're going to create media content. I mean, if you eventually want to end up on other people's platforms where they're going to pay you, you have to have your own platforms first. So you need to have an active blog. You need to have some kind of following on social media and you need to be consistent and it needs to be good. So we have never, you know, like we have never made our living from blogging, you know, not even close. It's, it's one component of maybe five or six components. Uh, so we never expected to get a full-time living out of blogging, but it has led us to get all kinds of other jobs. Yeah, we actually um, never monetized our blog at all until a few months ago when we did our spring gear guide. We finally did Amazon affiliates. We had not done that for so long in our spring gear and our gear guides are very popular on our podcast. And we had never done it because we just were so uncomfortable with people getting a mixed message and thinking that we were saying like, we're going to recommend products that we want you to buy so we can make money. And we wanted it to be a more authentic review. Well, you know, there were, we actually had listeners that were saying to us like, are you kidding? I'd love to click on a link on your blog to give you a kickback. Like, why haven't you done this yeah. for those years? But just to give an example for your listeners, you know, we've never seriously monetized the blog, but an editor from Penguin Random House found our blog and we got an email out of the blue, one sentence. Would you guys be interested in writing the idiot's guide to RV vacations <laughs> for Penguin Random House? And you just emailed back yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was pretty much the conversation. But yeah. you, you never know when someone's going to be looking. And when they do look, whoever that person is or that potential client, you need to be bringing your game. You need to be bringing top quality content to your Instagram account with your photography, to your blog with your writing, because God forbid somebody looks and there's nothing there. There's only a few posts from six months ago. Or it looks sloppy or, you know, it has some things that are a little maybe questionable in terms of your voice, you know, or the way that you present yourself. Um, We've taken our um, position sort of as educators very seriously and the same way that we kind of have our persona when we're up in front of the classroom in front of our kids we kind of do the same thing in in the RV world like we act professional you know <laughs> on our blog and so you know a long time ago we realized there are people watching that we do not know are watching and uh, we've gotten so many cold calls from sponsors and we thought wow they were looking at our social media platforms at our blog probably for sometimes months. for a while yeah so we've, we blogged for progressive insurance and that was another email that came out of the blue and that editor had been following our blog unbeknownst and to listening us to our podcast. and listening to our <laughs> podcast for quite a long time now if the work hadn't been quality then that email would have never come from them yeah yeah i love that and uh, I think that's really cool because a lot of the people who I've interviewed on this podcast have some type of service-based business that they're running from the road, like clients that they're managing, whether they're a WordPress consultant, a developer, or whatever, <clears throat> like even us doing video production. And earlier this year, I Alyssa encouraged me to put up an, uh, a work with us page, and I didn't have one on our website. All of our video production clients had just come from referrals from previous clients or kind of from our, our network of people that we had known in the industry. And I was like, why would I put a work with us page up on our blog? Because everyone who's reading the blog is interested in RVing stuff. And she was like, just do it. Everyone has it up there. Just let people know the work that you're doing and that we're doing. So I said, okay. So I, I put it up there. I was like, here are the projects we've done. Here are the kind of opportunities we're looking for. We, we help produce online educational courses for small businesses, entrepreneurs, authors, uh, and things like that. And 
unbeknownst to me, there there happened to be a lay like a, a segment of people that were both travelers or interested in RVing, but also were interested in hiring us to create some of that content. And I don't know if I've mentioned this already on the podcast, but like a month and a half ago, I had a guy reach out to me named Craig, who uh, is a writer in the for the NHL community for ESPN, has a really big book coming out, uh, and he contacted me about doing an online course with him on how to navigate a career in the sports management industry. And I'm just like looking at this guy; he's got verified on Twitter, like tons of followers and a huge community in the sports world. And I was like, how, how did this guy reach out to me? Cause we, you know, I have a de- designated website for our, our production services. And he's like, Oh, I, I just bought a 35 foot Winnebago. And you know, I've been listening to your podcast, one that hasn't come out in a couple weeks. What's up with that, man. And I was just like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> you know, like you never know, like you said, who's going to be out there. So I think, so for anyone listening, you know, who's out there running a client based service business or thinking about running one on the road, like there's a lot of benefits to blogging and we could go into those uh, for quite a while, but anyway, we'll keep going. And I also think that it's given us the opportunity to pitch ourselves, right? So people reach out to us and we are able to show them exactly the type of work that we do. I'm able to send them links. I'm able to say, this is how we handle products. And you know what? Clients are nervous. They're putting their reputation in your hands. And if you can show them a real track record of being respectful of other people's brands. So for instance, we blatantly tell all of our, you know, partners, we say, look, if we ever have a problem with a product, if ever, if there is anything that we cannot recommend, we will talk to you about it and we won't recommend it to our audience. We're not going to go on across our platforms and bash your brand because that's not what we're about. And if you want to work with people, you know, that's the kind of tone you have to take. Yeah, that makes sense. And even, you know, companies reaching out to you, how have you guys kind of positioned some of those relationships? Because you guys have multiple relationships within the RV industry. And you've talked about how you guys, there's a lack of content in the RV industry, at least professional content. So how have you guys went about structuring some of these relationships? And what have you learned about those? So we've built them brick by brick. And and like, that's the most important thing I could tell to anybody listening is that, you know, as the content producer, when we kind of get on the phone with a big client, we kind of want the world from them right away. We want a big contract and lots of work and lots of assignments, but that's really never what they want at first. They want to give you something small to see if they can trust you. Because remember, they, they these companies have multi-million dollar brands. So they need to build that trust slowly. So that's something I had to learn. Like I wanted these big relationships all at once, but they kind of want to start slowly and make sure that you deliver the content, you don't embarrass them for goodness sake, and then as you turn in one good assignment, then it, then you get the next assignment, then the next assignment, and then you can talk about bigger things. And then I also think that another big takeaway for us has been that this is not about what you want to do. This is about what your client needs from you, right? Like, so we're creatives and, you know, we have a million ideas about what we would love to do in any given situation, or we could pitch a, you know, a menu to our partners about a bunch of different services we could provide for them. And at the end of the day, you have to be happy with serving the need of your client. So if your client needs content, you know, on their platform, written content, well, you might say, oh, more blogging. But if they need that, then you need to provide it for them and then say, okay, we're going to do that. And then what else, you know? 
Also, we have done a few things that are very old fashioned. And I th- I would hope this maybe could be useful to some of your listeners. Right from the beginning, we said that we wanted to be phone call people and not email people. And what, what I mean by that is that we think it's really valuable to jump on the phone with your clients and actually have a conversation, hear their voices, hear the tone of what they're saying, instead of just exchanging emails or texts. So we've done a lot of phone call conferences with our clients. And it is it, it just helps you get to know them in a way that email will not allow you to. And then also right from the beginning, we've really valued meeting our clients in person. You know, in the digital world, it's not necessary for your business necessarily to actually meet people, but we've actually hopped on planes at our own expense to meet our clients. And I think that's been invaluable because then it becomes more than just a simple contract. There's a relationship. And in every case where we have met our clients, it's led to more work. And I don't want to make it sound too strategic because we also do like these people. But I would recommend get on the phone with your clients and go meet them in person. I love that. And I 100% agree. It's it's interesting because we we recently, um, like this past fall, I guess it's almost been a year ago, we started doing some work with Winnebago. But that relationship had start, kind of started developing a long time before that because a lot of people when they first start RVing, they're like, I want to try to pitch a, a company on giving me a free RV. Well, that's a little ridiculous for multiple reasons. One, like if you don't have, if you're not a celebrity or you're not doing a TV show, it's like, where's the value for them uh, versus, you know, you, you just them having a blog. But when we first started that relationship with them, it was like, hey, we, we took my grandparents a mini Winnebago go up to Alaska. We did like a really good blog post for them about it on their website, took tons of great photos, spent a lot of time working on that to kind of exactly what you said, show them that you can perform on the little tasks. Uh, and I think there's also something else to be said for people who are doing client work while they're traveling is that there's probably going to be the seed in the back of the client's mind. Like, can they perform while they're out on the road? Like, can they get reliable service if we're going to be doing Skype calls and things like that? Is that something that you that, that you guys have had to have conversations with your clients like while you're working out on the road or? You know, it's that has never really come up, actually, just because I think that our most of our clients look at our content and they think, well, it's a good thing they're out on the road getting good content, you know. But I, you know, you did mention a really good point about expectations. About there, it, there really are so many people that enter into the world looking for quote unquote sponsorships, which is a funny word, right? So, um, people will say things like, "Well, I want to, I want somebody to give me a, a free RV." And here's the difference in what we've d- built our entire business around: we have never asked anyone to give us money for being us. We provide content, actual services, right? So whether it's a actual written piece, whether it's a book, whether it's a Facebook live uh, appearance, whether we are at an RV show as the guest of a company or um, or, a podcast or our advertising. I mean, we're de- we're, tied we have to deliverables, you know, yeah. we have, yeah. uh, the thing about the, I, I just laugh hearing you say that because so many people we, think, we oh, I'm just going to make a pitch and get an RV. I've heard that the country music stars make those pitches. So and think about, and they don't get them. Everybody <laughs> wants Everybody a free thinks RV. Everybody should have I a mean, free RV. <laughs> there's nothing quick and easy in the world of, you know, successfully creating content. I mean, we have just worked incredibly hard for every single one of these relationships. And all of our, like Jeremy mentioned, the deliverables, any time that we've ever pitched a contract with a partner, it has come with a list of deliverables that, you know, may be tied to our entire ecosystem of content. So we have the blog, we have the podcast, we have our social media, we have appearances. So we can offer, 
you know, our clients a lot of different choices and they can pick and choose from what suits, again, their needs, right? Because anybody that thinks that they're doing a great service for a client by just to be being fabulous and and driving around in an RV or towing around an RV, I think, you know. Well, driving in an RV is, of- <laughs> is nonetheless fabulous. Don't get us wrong there. All about that. I, you know, I don't, I I think that that's why you build client relationships to, um, to pay your bills, right? That's why we do work. So if your bill includes an RV, then build your yeah, client I mean, relationships. For us to get to the point that Stephanie quit her job and we replaced that income and then more than replaced that income with all of this work, what was a, a three to four year journey of, of hard work and of doing a lot of things without getting paid? So it's important to have realistic expectations. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I, it's kind of just what you guys just said speaks to a larger conversation that's happening. It's not even conversation. It's just what's happening within our culture. And sponsorships are really, like you said, more people think of them as, you know, the traditional sponsorships, which is like, A, I'm super famous and a company is paying me to be me. But in today's world, like you said, they're more of client-based relationships where you have key deliverables. You guys are inserting content, providing unique value for companies like Progressive that cater towards their audience and they're providing value for them at a higher price point. And so you guys are not only providing that value, but you're also bringing additional eyeballs to that content, right? I mean, so there's lots of different value proponents that are happening there. And so it, it's kind of cool in a way because it does offer an opportunity for people that, you know, like we're really within an, a niche within a niche. Like RVing is like, it's a big industry, but like even you guys, like y'all, y'all have a much bigger base of people than, than I do because there's only so many people that want to live in RV full time and run a business from the road. Like I pitched a ridiculously, I, I picked a ridiculously small niche compared to even family travel in an RV. It was probably not intelligent of me, but nonetheless, you know, like it's, it's just been interesting to kind of see that shift happening. You pointed out something too, like our, our clients, it's, it's changed so much over the last 10, 20 years of travel writing. Our clients expect us to bring audience to the pieces we publish on their platforms. You know, so a travel writer 20 years ago, they would turn in their piece and be done with it. You know, we turn in our blog posts and then we also have to drive people to their platforms, which almost in a way seems crazy. Like we're expected to drive people towards these gigantic companies, but they want the hyper targeted audience that we have. Right. So something that right is that shift in the industry is the reason why our clients value our content is because now even larger corporations want to give very authentic content to their customers. Right. So for people like for a company like Cabela's, they really want good. They want the experts to be communicating with their audience, right? If they're gonna say that we are the world's foremost outfitter, right? They want to have people in their, uh, you know, on their website and they want their pro staff to be people that know what they're doing. You don't want like a corporate drone sitting, you know, in his cubicle who's never been out fishing or hunting to be like writing this content. Right, because that started in the industry a little bit a time ago. I would say about five years ago, you could see that these companies were trying to produce their own, like really canned blog posts and everything, you know, like those, you know, everything was like top 10 lists or whatever. And I think that a lot of the companies realized the our, our customers know more than we do, you know, about our products, about a lot of this stuff. Like we want people that can use this and that can bring value to our customers. And that's why they reach out to us, which is exactly why you have your blog. And, 
you show them that you're an expert in your field. Yeah, that makes that makes so much sense. And it's it's cool in a lot of ways because it provides more unique opportunities for people who don't have large audiences to come in and offer a ton of value for this community. So I interviewed uh, Casey Madison uh, from RV.com, O-U-R-V-I-E.com. And they're currently doing a 59 National Park tour this year. And they started pitching companies like Chaco Sandals. This is a big company right out of college. Uh, they didn't have any type of online following, but they knew how to take good pictures. They had some stuff they could send them as far as content goes. And they were ultimately able to financially sponsor this entire trip, find sponsors to go out and do this with no existing audience. Because if you think about it, it's like, People, you know, if Chaco Sandals wanted to hire a professional photographer or even an employee to go out to some of these locations, some of the most beautiful national parks in the country, how much would it cost them to hire some a professional photographer to go to all 59 national parks? A lot of money. They're covering all the travel costs and everything. Or they could give some travelers a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks or a certain amount per post or whatever to that who is already doing this project to go out and shoot for them. So there's actually there's tons of value and so many opportunities out there that probably aren't nearly being tapped into. Would you guys agree? Oh my gosh! So we've actually I've started selling my photography into the RV industry, and I, I promise you, it's not because I'm an amazing world class <laughs> photographer. Um, I, I've worked very hard to get good, but exactly to your point, I mean, for some of these companies that we sell photography to, to, to send that professional out into the field is going to cost them ten times more than it is to just say, "Hey, Jeremy, can you put together a Google Drive of all your best photos for the summer, and can we pick out some and buy them from you?" So we're already doing it right and that's become a whole other income stream for us is the photography and but what jeremy just kind of glossed over was he's worked really hard and spent a lot of time building that skill so when we started out you know in fact it's a little bit embarrassing for us to go back and revisit our early work um i've never listened to our earlier podcasts and (laughs) i i can't do it people you know we have listeners that reference the early podcasts and say we loved you've been listening to you since the beginning it's hard because you feel like oh boy that was not good you know i didn't even proofread my early blog posts because i was they were so (laughs) terrible so i I get it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we have not said ever, we're good. You know, we're good. What we're doing is great. We are always asking ourselves, like, what can we do better? How can we improve our content? Um, you know, we're really happy with where our RVFTA podcast is right now um, with some of the different uh, formats we've introduced with the people that we have on. And we're really happy with it. And we're still always asking ourselves, what's next, right? What What are we going to do to make this better? So... If you guys could say that you had a mission for what you're doing, what would it be? Like, what would be the mission for the RVFTA brand? I think to build a really strong community of people and provide a lot of value uh, for that community, and then in turn to be rewarded ourselves, you know, to be financially rewarded and and, and also just to be rewarded by having great relationships with people in our community. Um, you know, Stephanie's pursuing a dream right now. I mean, she's working on her own, at her own schedule. Her income is completely location independent. And I would probably like to join her at some point. I still do love teaching. So to both be full-time in the art RV industry would be a dream come true, I think. Yeah, I think that um, there is a lot of very uh, people kind of exist in a negative space right now. Um, 
in a lot of the content that's out there. For me, that's been very troubling to see how often even on like TripAdvisor or on Yelp, people go on just to trash things, right? You ask like, what, when do you write good reviews and when do you write bad reviews? I think there is a little bit of a moment right now in our culture where people express what they're unhappy about more than they express what they're happy about. And one of the things we decided to do, it was a few years ago, we literally had a sit down conversation about this. We went back and forth about whether we were going to be critics, right? Or whether we were going to create a sort of an ecosystem of recommendations. <laughs> so, you know, we could go out there and we could do campground reviews and, you know, slice and dice up a bad campground that we stayed at. Or we can promote the best of the best, right? We could say that this is what we recommend products. This is what we recommend, you know, um, RVs. This is what we recommend. Um, and we've sort of decided to, you know, create a tone within the RVFTA community. We started our own forum <laughs> on our website. Uh, we call it the No Cranks Allowed Forum because it. all of the RV forums are just full of people asking really innocent questions and getting really nasty yeah, People responses. ask about their tow vehicle and they yeah. get 30 responses from these angry people that call them names. And it, yeah, it's ridiculous. RVing is about having fun. It's about getting out there and enjoying nature and your family. So yeah, creating that safe space for everybody to just enjoy this wonderful thing that we all do. And we're very serious people. You know, Jeremy and I were, um, we're readers, we're thinkers, we have beliefs about things. And, you know, we think a lot of people out there are bombarded with all of the, the bad news, right? Because it's tough. There's a lot going on in the world. And we have access to that bad news all the time because of social media. Everybody needs like a safe space. And I kind of feel like RVing is our safe space. We love doing it with our family. We know that it's something that even when our kids are, you know, often established in their own lives, we're still going to do it together. Um, and we like the fact that we're giving other people a safe space too, and, right? And encouraging other people to spend time with their spouse or spend time with their partner or spend time with their kids in their beautiful grandkids. places. We have know, grandparents that listen to us. And just enjoy the best of life together. And there's like nothing more rewarding to me than when we do, like we'll do a whole podcast on a location like Charleston or something like that. There's nothing more rewarding to me than when somebody emails us and say, hey, we we followed your trip. You know, we basically did the same trip. We went to the campground you recommended, the restaurants you recommended. And that's awesome. That's like an awesome feeling to know that somebody was inspired by your vacation to take their own vacation and get out and enjoy themselves. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, what would you guys are, say are some of the best ways to connect with others in the RVing community? This is always a topic that I, I like to address just because uh, it's you have to be more intentional. Um, like we're visiting some friends in Nashville right now and we have we end up coming to Nashville like way more often than I don't I don't we should be. But we end up here several times a year. We've made a lot of friends and it's like I, I was going with my friend Chris to breakfast this morning. And he saw like three people that he knew at this local restaurant. And it's like I miss that a lot because we're on the road constantly. And I know you guys have a home base, but you also connect a lot with people in the RV industry. You go to shows. So how would you guys recommend uh, connecting with other people while you're out on the road? And just if you wanted to connect with other RVers, people who are like, we love this lifestyle and you know, we believe the same things you just said. 
I, I think Instagram's a great community right now for RVers. It, there, there's not the negativity that you find on on Facebook. I mean, that could change over time. But if you want to find other RVers and you just start, you know, searching through the Go RVing hashtag or other hashtags that are used, even our own hashtag, people use hashtag RVFTA. We've met a lot of wonderful people just by following their Instagram accounts and seeing what rig they have and where they travel. So that's a very positive environment for RVers right now. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I feel you, Heath, because like I said, I, I it's not that we really want to, our forum isn't monetized and it's not like we wanted to create, build that as part of our business at all. We really recognize that people kind of struggle to connect on some of the social media platforms that feel a little more like intense and or a little ego more driven. ego driven or overwhelming. Um, so that's why we did it. But um I feel like it's funny that I'm going to say this, but we've met a lot of great people at RV shows, haven't we? I mean, it's like Stephanie and I show up at an RV show and it's like, these are our people, you know, I mean, you're just surrounded by people who are into travel, into spending time with their families. Yeah. We've met a ton of people at RV shows that are now friends that we travel with and meet up with. Yeah. And we go out. And that's a way to meet people more in your neighborhood or your state, you know, or Instagram, you're meeting people all over the place. You know, an RV shows maybe a nice place to meet people that are more in your region. Right. So, you know, I know that for women camping groups, you know, um, on an episode that we're just releasing now is on Ladies Day Out um, with, that Cabela's does. And one of our correspondents actually went to Ladies Day Out with um, the sisters on the fly, right? So there's camping groups like that. And I think that those do feel like a little bit more of a safer place to connect with other people or the meetups, you know, that feel like they have a little bit more of a, not just we all own RVs, but maybe there's some other connection. So when you go to like a ladies day out at Cabela's, they had people there that are like fly fishing, right? So if you like fly fishing, you can meet up with other people or, you know, Kate did a little bird watching, um, you know, uh, uh, lesson. And, you know, we are missing that in this in our generation because we connect via these like Facebook groups that supposedly um, connect us with people that are like minded. But those people are spread out all over the place. So how do we have that in real life you know, connection? A great place to connect with other RVers is the campground. And I, I've never naturally been a social person. But by purchasing an RV and becoming an RVer, I've become a much more social person. Like when I go to a campground, it's almost kind of corny to say it. Like I'm looking to meet new friends. You yeah, know, you're I'm looking. Campground. I'm looking to like chat with the people who are camping next to me and not get lost in my own book or my own device or my own you know family drama, <laughs> whatever. You know, when you go to that campground, make the effort to just look up and say hello and chat with people. We've met lots of people that oh, way. Oh, you know, and Jeremy's making, I, it, it does sound a little corny, but he's making such an important point. We have walked away from campgrounds with new friends. We absolutely have. You're, you're, Jeremy was just texting with um, a, a father that we met up in a New York campground over the summer. We're trying to schedule another weekend to meet up at a campground because you just have days right there to connect with each other. We sat around a campfire. We had a great time. We played time. laser tag with them. <laughs> our, 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 and you know this, you can back us up on this. Our veers, generally speaking, are really friendly people. They really I mean, are. 
Maybe you want to avoid politics, but generally speaking, we have just found that the RV community, people that own RVs are going to campgrounds surrounded by other people without walls. There's just something about that person that is willing to socialize and engage and and meet other people that are strangers. But you have to be a little brave in that. Like to me, you have to, and I don't think either of us were very comfortable with that early on. That's whole like make eye contact and say something friendly, you know, introduce yourself to the other mom who's standing there bored while her kids play at the campground. You know, I mean, that's what we do. Yeah, you have to get yourself buried out. You know, you have to let go of the phone sometimes, too. And I'm not judging anybody because I got, you know, that problem just as much as anybody. But at the campground, maybe say, hey, I'm putting my phone away for three or four hours and I'm just going to go out and enjoy the campground and and talk to other people and meet other people. Yeah. And it's funny because Alyssa and I will will be walking around our campground and she'll know and and she's naturally a little bit more introverted than myself. Like we'll be like we were in Banff this summer and I was like, hey, there's some there's some travelers who, uh, you know, we talked on Instagram and they're in the same campground and we're in Canada and it's cool and you know I'm gonna go out there and she's like Keith it's 10 o'clock I'm going to bed so when I get whenever I have her trapped like when we're out on a walk or something around the campground she can kind of see in my eyes when I'm like looking at somebody honing in like I'm gonna go talk to them like we did this a couple days ago like there was a tiny RV a tiny rally at the campground we're staying at in St. Marcus it's called Pecan Park and Riverside shout out to them because they're hooking us up with a site for the month and um I, this lady was had an FJ Cruiser, which is like our dream car, our dream rig. And then they, she was towing an Airstream, which I, I really, really would love an Airstream one day. And Alyssa just saw her. She's like, Heath, Heath. Because we were like going to the hot tub. And I was like, no. <laughs> so like we ended up having this long conversation. And, you know, she had just no, moved he, into he, her. Go ahead. You have to be nice to people that don't have cool RVs like Airstreams too. <laughs> For, hey, for a year, we traveled around in an RV that people, you know, said it looked like a Breaking Bad RV. Like our hashtag at our wedding was Breaking Pageant. So like, I'm not biased at all. You <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. But like, note to any, you know, if anybody is listening to this and they're introverted and they do want to meet people on the road, then uh, one of the best ways is just walking up and talking to them about their RV. It almost never fails. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and we really love campgrounds. And one of the things that we always say to campground owners all the time is, please have a public space, right? We all know the whole coffee shop space, that like public square, that park feeling that you have in really nice cities and everything. So that needs to transfer to the campground. And when campgrounds have those more like uh, community spaces, maybe it's a communal fire pit and they do s'mores at night, or maybe it's even, we had visited this campground in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It just had beautiful tables overlooking the hills. And Jeremy would go and play checkers there with the boys at night, you know, at those tables. And there would be other people there to chat with. When campgrounds create those spaces, um, we think that that really sets, um, just the sets that campground apart from some other experiences that we have. Yeah, I agree. And Alyssa and I, a lot of the people that we've met on the road, like the cool thing to do in the RVing community is to boondock and to take these epic photos of your RV and just really remote places. And I kind of make fun out of it, of it a little bit, but it really is fun and it's cool. And it is some of the favorite, our, like our most meaningful camping experience. All that aside, our first year, we went to some RVing chains, uh, resorts that we just, they felt very corporate-y. And uh, then earlier this year, we went to a Jellystone RV resort. And we weren't really sure what to expect because it was like families. We loved it. Like we went back for like a week the second time we came through the town just because it was like 
hanging out kids roasted s'mores and, and like of course there's lots of kids around but like we loved jellystone and like got to hang out our friend did a concert there they wa- they were watching movies on the screen outside and so of course it's like totally different than the boondocking experience but it's like we, we loved it <laughs> all right so heath we're really happy that you said that since jellystone is one of our partners so that's great <laughs> thumbs up for that wait were, also- were you were you a little worried i was gonna say something bad no no well for a second i was like oh how do you feel about the jellystone but Now, to that point, I actually wrote a blog post earlier this year at the beginning of the year that was basically titled, it's okay if you're not planning on boondocking this year. Like, you don't have to feel like camping is about getting away from people because our lives in the modern, in our modern day right now are very isolated, right? Our neighborhoods are not as communal as they used to be. So much of our time is spent really isolated, even though we feel like we're interacting with people on the computer and on social media, we're not. So when you, you know, go to a campground, our boys live for playing with other kids at the campground. They just meet friends everywhere we go. They have such a good time. And And that picture is not going to get as many likes on Instagram as that boondocking shot with the Rocky Mountains behind you, but it's a rich experience too. You know, on our podcast, we're always pushing people to experience everything that the RV world has to offer. And whether that's KOA or Jellystone on one end or boondocking in the wilderness on the other end, or parking your RV right by New York City or Charleston, there's a lot of rich experiences to have. So we're always pushing people to you know, have a little variety, move out of your comfort zone, do something you don't always do. And was it, what, what was the purpose of you guys starting the Campground of the Week podcast? Because I love the concept of it and highlighting different different areas and I'm gonna be on y'all's show next week. So what was kind of the thought <laughs> with launching that podcast? We were just hoping we could land an interview with you. So we started that podcast. Oh, <laughs> We honestly, Stephanie and I, I mean, one of our secret weapons is that we are just like content fiends and we, we never, people say, how do you get an idea for an episode every week? And that's not our problem. Our problem is we have 20 ideas for an episode every week. So we really just were kind of creating more content than we had platforms for. And we were wanting to do these campground reviews and not getting them into our main podcast. So we just spun it off and said, hey, let's let's do another podcast. We had also um, ended up with a lot of people on our show. Uh, we, we call them correspondents because we like to sound important. So they, <laughs> you that. know, we, we have the, our correspondents and they were all over the country and they we would have them on our show. But like Jeremy said, it was hard. Like, how often do you do that? It was hard for us to balance our industry content with travel content. Um, so we thought, let's stop trying to randomly squeeze in travel content and not really reach the whole country and let's deliberately try to give these recommendations we did and, not. and these aren't uh camp no campgrounds are paying to be on this show right like these are just like pure reviews from people who have stayed there is that correct uh, yeah exactly i mean there are sometimes that we are partnering with like a koa or jellystone but we always you know we always say if that's the case it was important to us not to be a regional podcast you know we're in the northeast and you know we, we have traveled extensively all over the country but our, our home base is the Northeast. So it's very important for us to find correspondents from all over the country so that we could cover the whole country and be a national uh, show, a national and not, podcast. And, and not just the country because Heath's going to take oh, us to Keith, Canada. Heath is taking us to Canada. <laughs> 
when I saw that, I was so excited. Yeah, I'm pumped. <laughs> the North American. We're going to yeah. be talking about Radium Hot Springs, and it's sweet. And I guess I get the title now of official correspondent, so I can add that to my LinkedIn. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Maybe get some endorsements for that. Anyway, so you guys give me two ideas, and sometimes it's fun to just riff on ideas. Uh, one idea that I had that multiple people have brought up, and I think it's brilliant, but it'd have to be crowdsourced, is a podcast or just a resource online um, where tons of people can contribute, but basically guided audio tours of different regions in your RV. How cool would that be? Sounds like a good idea to me. It's, it's all work, though, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. You know, it'd have to be a crowdsourced thing. Like, obviously, you're not going to go around the country and give tours of every town. But, you know, if different people were going around the country and, you know, rolling into Missoula, Montana, and, you know, they're just like a history fiend and they can kind of attack it from this unique perspective, giving them guidelines. Anyway, one idea. The other idea I had was when we were talking about content earlier in the blogging community and just like the benefits of starting a blog to meet people and all the value that's come from that is I would love, I would love of especially all the people that have brought on this podcast who are out, you know, the younger generation of our, not that we're biased against age, totally not like anybody's welcome, you know, but there's a lot of people who are out doing innovative, cool stuff on the road, um, who are blogging or, you know, building their business and, you know, they're working age people on the road. I would love to be able to bring all these people together in person for like some type of event, a meetup, you know, it doesn't have to be like official as a conference, but just I think that would be really cool, uh, you know, to increase that well, in-person community. Sign me up. I would say make it a conference. I think it's a great idea. I mean, I would love to. It's, again, a way to create community. I would love to show up. Maybe you would even ask us to speak there. Absolutely. Because <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy likes to be asked to speak. He, I, he he did the recording like on his school's like answering service, you know, when you call and it says press one for the. And <laughs> I'm I, the voice on my high school. And I think machine. that really got into his head. Yeah, blew you know? up my ego. <laughs> can, can you track downloads on that just like you can the podcast? Like how many people have called the school? <laughs> <laughs> they, they just call to listen. If <laughs> they, they leave a message, it's like a like. <laughs> I love but it. I would I would love to see a conference like that. And look, you're you would be a great guy to do that. You're obviously a real connector. Um, I think that that would be something monetizable and, and something of real value to people. Well, how about this? I don't ask for a ton of action on this podcast, but if you're listening to this right now and you think this would be a cool idea, shoot us a tweet. Uh, I'm at Heath Paget on Twitter. What are you guys on Twitter? R F R V F T A. Yeah, we're at RVFTA, yeah. And just say, hey, let's do it. Or just say, hey, I'm I'm in and I'm, I'd come to the conference. And maybe if we get like a certain amount of interest, we'll be like, okay, you know, like let, let's, let's uh, explore this a little bit more. Uh, the last question I have for you guys is what does success look like for you guys in this lifestyle? Each of you as you're uh, building the brand and doing podcasts and creating content in the RV industry and traveling with your family. What does success look like? Well, I, that's an interesting question. So, so we're going on a trip in about a week or two weeks to South Carolina, and we've kind of like really honed how we do this. So we have a magazine article assigned for Trailer Life. We're working with the Chamber of Commerce for activities and restaurants. We're working with the, to promote the campground there. So we've put all these different pieces together. And basically, at the end of the day, it's a free trip. And there's work involved. And we are going to be working, creating content. But we're also going to get a, a week with our kids on the beach in South Carolina. So I, I'm feeling very excited about that type of trip. And we've worked very hard to get to that point where we can do that. Basically, yeah. where your lifestyle is covered. And you guys are working for it. Like you said, you're creating content that's valuable to these companies along the way, but ultimately you're getting to do really cool stuff. <laughs> exactly. And that's important to us. I think we're really creative people. So um, if we can, you know, Mary, I, I've always been bothered by the phrase, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life because 
we are looking to do what we love and we are doing what we love because we're be, be, we're able to be creative and we're writing, which we love to do, and we're communicating and educating, which we love to do. But at the same time, it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of very late nights after we put the kids to bed. Um, but if you work for something that you are proud of and that you love, like to me, I'm not scared of hard work. I just want it to be for the things that I care about. And it, that doesn't mean spending, you know, some people want to spend all the time in the world with their kids. And I'm not really in that boat. Like to me, like it's a balance. And um, I think it's different for me than it is for Jeremy, because I struggled with the whole working mom thing for the first seven years of um, my boy's life. And when a child got sick, this is going to be like super mommy for you. Okay. He, so, but, so, but bear with me, because I think it's important in our culture right now. But when one of our boys got sick, which is a really normal thing to happen for a five or a six year old, it was a stress in our family, right? It was an argument. Who's going to call out? Whose day is more important tomorrow? Can we find somebody to be with our puking child? You know, not, not a chance, you know, ever. <laughs> so, you know, it was a struggle, right? It wasn't that I didn't love my job as a teacher. It's that it didn't fit with what I wanted my life to look like. And my life is not easy now. We have three young kids and we're producing three podcasts and writing and making appearances. And, but it's all good. You know, it's stuff that I can juggle and that I can balance and that we can figure out together. And that's that honestly, that's like yeah, she has the freedom of her days. And, you know, I've been able to trim back from my teaching job and I have more time now in the day to record the podcast. And, and it's it's a great feeling. I love that. Well, thank you guys so much for, for taking the time to be on the podcast with me and all the work that you're doing to push forward the, the media and content in this industry because it is super important and there's a huge need there. Uh, so where can people who are listening learn more about you guys and what you're doing? Okay, so you've you've done a very nice job of plugging all of our stuff. So we do have the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast. We have the Campground of the Week podcast. And then we produce the Girl Camper podcast, which is hosted by Janine Pettit, who is a girl camper extraordinaire. And then we also have our website, RVFamilyTravelAtlas.com. Yeah, we're, I'm addicted to Instagram at RV Family Travel Atlas. And you can find the Idiot's Guide to RV Vacations in bookstores all over the country. So. Awesome. Go look for it. Go look for it and buy it. And we'll uh, <laughs> we'll link up to all that in the show notes uh, on heathandalyssa.com forward slash episode thirty one. And uh, thank you guys again for being on the podcast with me. And look forward to meeting you guys soon, maybe at this conference. Absolutely, our pleasure. We will open for you at the conference. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Heath. It's really been our pleasure to watch uh, you and Alyssa try to figure this out in such a creative way, in such a very open way. And we really wish you the best on this journey. Thank you, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. To grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to heathandalyssa.com forward slash episode 31 to grab all the links we mentioned and say hey to Jeremy and Stephanie over at the RV Family Travel Atlas. Also, if you haven't already picked up my ebook, my brand new ebook, The RV Entrepreneur, uh, you can now pick it up and read it on my website at heathandalyssa.com slash book. And I wrote this book to be something that goes along and pairs well with this podcast. It's not just a recap of different interviews I've done because when you're listening to this show, you're on the go and you're kind of moving around and it's sometimes can be hard to kind of pick out all the takeaways and how they can be applied to various situations, kind of walk you through the process of, you know, how these people have gotten their first clients and how can that be applied to someone like me who is, you know, just getting started. And so I went back and re-listened to every episode of this podcast multiple times. I took notes 
And I also uh, filtered it through our own experience of getting our production business started while we've been on the road the past years. And I formatted it into the RV Entrepreneur ebook. And so far, we sold about 100 copies. And that's amazing because we haven't really promoted it all that much. But I really think this book is going to be valuable for anybody who's thinking about hitting the road and is still trying to figure out exactly how you're going to build up your business while you're traveling, or even just better understand how different people have done it, aside from the, the stories that you've heard on this podcast. So I share things in the book that you've never heard on the podcast. And I would love for you to go check it out. Go to heathandalyssa.com forward slash book. And you can even grab the first couple chapters there for free if you're not ready to buy it. But it's a $10 ebook. It's not super expensive. So I am done selling you on it. Go check it out. (laughs) And uh, I'll see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.